0: The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. You may find it hard to believe, but I think our generation probably has seen more persecution of Christians and Christianity than any since the church began on the day of Pentecost. You may not believe that, but let me read some statistics that I have. But first, think about this. Jesus predicted persecution for the church In Matthew chapter 24, verse 9, he says, They will deliver you up to tribulation and will kill you. and You will be hated by all the world on my account. And in John 15, the night before he was arrested and crucified the next day, he said, If the world hate you, If you were of the world, the world would love you because it loves its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world will hate you. Jesus suffered and predicted that the church through the generations would suffer. The apostle Paul not only experienced many kinds of difficulties and persecution he wrote in second timothy chapter 3 listen to this realize this that in the last days difficult times will come then he said all who desire to live godly will be persecuted the end of the great chapter on faith in hebrews chapter 11 ends with this paragraph after talking about many, many, many wonderful followers of God the writer of the book of Hebrews says others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection still others had trials of mocking and scourging, yes and of chains and imprisonment listen to this, they were stoned They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains in dens and in caves of the earth. What the Bible says has come true and for many in the world today they walk through many kinds of persecution there is a group of people called the open door international and in their statistics this week i found that last year 2022 are you listening 360 million christians live in areas of high persecution, 360 million, 5,621 Christians were murdered last year for their faith. 2,110 churches were burned and attacked last year. 5,259 Christians were arrested or abducted. In America, Pew Research printed this week that Christians in America are, are being decreased. In fact, less than half of Americans by the year 2070 will consider themselves Christians. Did you hear that? Less than half of Americans will claim to be Christians by the year 2070. And that compares, listen to this, 64% of Americans last year claimed to be Christians. And in 1976, 91% of Americans believed and said they were Christians. I get an email almost every day from Jay Seculo who is a lawyer for the American Center for Law and Justice. Do you get his emails or his information? I want to read what he says this week. Not 50 years ago. This week. Yesterday. What California just did is disgusting. Now other states could pass this horrible law. Governor Newsom, who claims that Jesus, quote, commands us to love your neighbor, means that we should kill babies and signed a gruesome bill into law that legalizes infanticide. In a diabolical sleight of hand, the abortion law replaces the term prenatal, which means before birth, with perinatal, perinatal, which includes up to 28 days after birth. In other words, parents have 28 days after a child is born to decide if they want to abort that child. Scary, is it not? Listen to this. This was Friday. There's a war being waged against your Christian faith. Just hours ago, this was the day before yesterday, We were in court to fight back. President Biden's attack on faith is emboldening and empowering anti-Christian forces to target Christians for invidious discrimination without fear of being held accountable. Kids are having their Bibles confiscated in schools. Churches are being barred from using their own property for worship and ministry. A government agency even banned a realtor from including, quote, Jesus loves you in her personal email signature. Burning and banning, not burning, banning singing and closing churches during the pandemic was just the beginning. We're seeing a widespread escalation of targeted attacks on Christians and churches. I could go on. He says, on Thursday, this was my text, Planned Parenthood has been fervorously filing lawsuits trying to strike down abortion bans at state supreme courts. In Florida, the court has just allowed an abortion ban to remain in place as it hears the case. Pro-abortion terrorists have been violently attacking pro-life centers We have been demanding that federal law enforcement agencies investigate and prosecute these criminals. There's more in that same email. Listen to this. This happened on Tuesday of this week. Religious liberty is under attack like nothing we've seen in years. Local governments are trying to force out Christian organizations treating churches completely differently than any other group. They are literally banning churches and their ministries from entire towns. This discrimination is outrageous and unconstitutional. Just yesterday, which would mean last Monday, we presented oral arguments in the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals in a case where a Christian ministry has been banned from using its own property. In fact, the county revoked its permit after the church ministry began operating. We're fighting a similar case in the Sixth Circuit, where a uh, county is literally blocking a Christian ministry from using any property. We're battling another case in the Fourth Circuit, where a church was required, get this, a church was required to get a liquor license to operate. In another case, our client, a realtor, I just read this, was banned from including Jesus Loves You in her email signature. Our faith is under fire. and We must fight back. And Joe Seculo, who is a lawyer for that ACLJ, writes earlier in the week, this was I think last Monday, that they are trying to help a young person who was 16 years old when he was arrested for being a Christian in Pakistan, and he has been sentenced to execution by hanging because he would not deny his faith. Why all of that? Because I am convinced that we live in a world where Christianity is not only being attacked around the world. We're living in a country that was founded upon biblical principles that I believe are about to find many kinds of persecution in the days ahead. Not trying to be a prophet of doom. I'm simply saying that what Jesus promised and predicted, what Paul experienced and wrote about, what the book of Hebrews talks about in their day could very likely become the same kinds of things that you and I will be facing should Jesus' return uh, be delayed. We're talking today about a church called Smyrna. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to the second chapter of the book of Revelation to read about this church. It was a church I call the church that is suffering, or the suffering church. It's described, the city of Smyrna, as the most beautiful city in Asia. In fact, while you're turning to Revelation chapter 2, let me read a few descriptive terms that I have found. I've never been to Smyrna. One of these days I'm going to take a trip to Paul's missionary journey cities and maybe visit these churches that were addressed in Revelation chapter 2. But listen to this. Smyrna was easily the most beautiful city in all of Asia Minor. It's called the Crown of Asia. Smyrna was fronted by the coast of the Aegean Sea and flanked by a circular hill called the Pagos. I tried to imagine this in my own mind. What would it look like if the, the hills around a city had all of these temples? Because, listen, this beautiful hill, it elevated above the city, was outlined with a street called the Street of Gold. On this street were pagan temples. And I found that Zeus and Apollo, Aphrodite, uh, Ascupilus, and other temples were built on that Street of Gold and it circled the city. It appeared to be a jeweled crown. Streets were well paved and lined with groves of trees, enhancing its majestic beauty. Because of their uh, symmetrical arrangement, these buildings were called, quote, the Crown of Smyrna, because from afar they looked like a necklace of jewels. Can you imagine? By the way, this is the city where Homer... The great poet was born, and they recognized him as well. The word Smyrna is the Greek word myrrh, M-Y-R-R-H. Here is where it's uh, described, but that word myrrh, you probably remember, was used in two or three other places in Scripture. Remember when the wise men came to worship the newborn King of kings and Lord of lords? They brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and Smyrna, or myrrh. It's used also in the book of Mark, chapter 15, because when Jesus was on the cross, they gave him a drink that was wine mixed with myrrh or Smyrna. It must have had a sedative kind of effect. In the book of John... When Jesus' body was taken down from the cross they brought aloes, the scripture says and they anointed his body and the aloe that they brought was myrna, Smur. It is a beautiful word and the word of God has something to say about those Christians who go through persecution. If you have your copy of scripture I want to read, beginning in verse 8 of Revelation chapter 2, these few words that are highly significant as we face any kind of religious persecution. Do you have it? Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. And to the angel, and you remember the word angel is messenger, it could very well be the pastor. To the angel of the church at Smyrna, right? These things says the first and the last... Who was dead and came to life. I know your works, your tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, and he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. This is a wonderful letter, brief as it is, to a church that is experiencing a period of time with great persecution. The first things I'd like for us to consider is the messenger. Who is the one saying these words to this church? If you look at verse 8, you find a couple of very interesting statements. The scripture says that he who is writing the letter, dictating it to the apostle John who is in exile on the Isle of Patmos says, these things says the first and the last. What a beautiful description. This speaks of the eternity of the Lord Jesus Christ. There has never been a time when he was not. He chose to come into this world by the birth of a virgin young lady. But listen, he is eternal. When you read the first chapter of of John's gospel, you read, In the beginning... By the word, the word thee is not there. In beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. There has never been a time when Jesus wasn't. He came into the world as an infant. But he is eternal God, and he addresses the church like that. And I'm glad he did because, listen, if you are going through difficulties, if you're having problems, you have someone who is eternal in nature, who says he will be with you and never forsake you. I love the one who says, I'll stand by you and I am eternal and I'll be your eternal God. He not only is eternal, the scripture says, he is the one who was dead and is alive. Oh, John, you this. Christ is the one who was crucified. The... The grave couldn't hold him. In fact, Roman soldiers were put there to guard the dead. Can you imagine how silly that was? What kind of dead person needs to be guarded so he'll stay in the grave? And here, three days later, Jesus did come forth out of that grave, did he not? And when he addresses the church like that, I think he's saying, and John must have remembered, yes, I experienced The most horrible death and persecution you can imagine. But I'm alive. I was dead, but I'm now alive. And I can just think of John, the old apostle. He's probably in his 90s. And as he's taking this dictation, he's thinking, Yes, I was there when he was arrested. I was there when he was scourged. I saw the crown of thorns pressed upon his brow. I saw him take the crossbeam and work his way through the Via Della Rosa. And I was there at the site of execution where they nailed his hands and his feet and raised him up between heaven and earth. I was there when I heard him say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I was close enough, I'm sure John was saying, that I heard him say to a thief who was dying on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Oh, John must have remembered that he was called to stand with Mary at the foot of the cross and heard Jesus say, John, take care of my mother. And mother, you go live with John. I'm sure it brought back memories of the one who was dead. That's not all John remembered. He remembered women coming. Can you imagine women coming and saying, we went to the tomb and he's not there, he's alive. And Peter and John began to run to the tomb and Peter was slow, but John was fast and he ran in front of Peter and got to the tomb first and went in. And this same John saw the empty tomb where Jesus had been laid just on Friday afternoon. He was in that upper room. Resurrection night. The doors were barred for fear of the Jews, the scripture says. And all of a sudden, everything changed. For Jesus came into that room without the door being opened or the window cracked. And he spoke to them and said, peace, peace. Don't you know John had a a worship service on the Isle of Patmos when he hears the word of the messenger saying, I am eternal, the first, the Alpha, and the last, the Omega. I am the one who was dead and is now alive, and I've got a message for the church. That's the messenger. Just listen, because he has something to say to the church. And to this church, he had a message. I've defined it as compliments and commands. Look at verse 9 and 10 and listen to what this messenger has to say to the church. He says, I know. That word know means to really know. I understand. I've got it all figured out. I know what's going on in your town and in your life. I know. And what he said he knows is I know your problems. The word that he used there is the Greek word thalipsis. Have you ever heard that before? It, it describes the grinding of wheat or the crushing of grapes. It has the idea of squeezing something until until everything is changed. It's the word used to describe the, the, the squeezing of olives to produce the olive oil. In fact, the word Gethsemane is oil press. And Jesus was in the oil press as he struggled with the the weight of the world's sin on his shoulders before he was ever arrested and crucified, he knew what it was to be crushed, to be pressed, to be squeezed. I know your problems. I was in Ukraine several years ago and several times. And I met a man there who was a member of the church that we were working with and out of. And he had been a former KGB officer. Big, strong-looking guy. And he took us to a place that at one time had been a camp that the KGB used and now was a church. And this man's thumb was messed up really badly, crippled. And I heard him say, when someone asked him about his thumb and hand, What happened when he was arrested for being a Christian and would not deny his faith? They put his thumb, you know how a door closes and opens? If you could look at that one a little bit closer. They opened the door a little bit, put his thumb between the the door facing, and they squeezed it, and squeezed it until it crushed that thumb because he would not deny his faith. Can you imagine the agony, the pain? That's the word Jesus used here. I know your phyllipsis, I know the crushing, I know the grinding, I know the pressure that you feel. Then he says, I know your poverty. You probably think there's two Greek words for every English word we have. There are two Greek words that are translated poor in the scripture. One means poor in the sense that you don't have everything that you'd like to have but you can make a you can make it. How many of you grew up poor? <laughs> I did too. Yes. That word means that though you do not have All of the things that you might like in life, you can get by. The other word is the word for extreme poverty. No way of surviving. Nothing to offer. In fact, it's the word Jesus used in Matthew 5 when he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who cannot bring anything to the altar of God and say, I deserve to be saved. No, you're poor in spirit. That's the word Jesus used here. I know your abject poverty. I know what you're going through. You as a Christian cannot find work and labor because nobody hires a Christian in your town. I understand what you're going through. I know your problems. I know your pressure. I know your poverty and I know your peace because the peace comes because they lived out their faith in the midst of all the persecution that they were going through. You're going to survive. You're rich. They may blaspheme you, Jesus says. I who walk among you know the truth Jesus said I also know your promise you're going to receive because of your faith the crown of life not real sure what the crown of life is the Greek word there is stephanos again two words that are translated crown in the New Testament one is the diadem the big jewel crown The stephanos was a laurel branch that was woven around an athlete's head when he won. And he was proud to wear the stephanos, the crown of victory in an athletic game. Jesus says, you're going to win a crown. It's called the crown of life. You're probably aware that there are about five different kinds of crowns that are used in Scripture there's a crown of righteousness that second Peter talks about or excuse me second Timothy the crown of righteousness there's a crown of rejoicing that Paul talks about like the soul winner's crown when you accept Christ as savior and someone has helped you find the Lord Jesus Christ you become like a crown of rejoicing that's what Paul said you are my crown because you have accepted Christ as Savior. There's a crown of life that James talks about. Those who are able to overcome temptation and be successful in the face of temptation, a crown that James 1.12 talks about, crown of life, an incorruptible crown. 1 Corinthians 9.25 uh, says that crown is given to those who persevere. The crown of life here is the martyr's crown. And Jesus says you're going to earn the martyr's crown because of what you're going through. I got to thinking, what kind of crown will you have? What would you do with a crown when the Lord calls you home? You can have a pastor's crown, which is to share the Word of God and to encourage. The Word of God says in Revelation chapter 4, That when we receive our crowns, when we meet the Lord face to face, we're going to march through heaven and just prance around and say, boy, look at what I have won. No. What do you do with the crowns that you've earned in life? The scripture says you cast those crowns at the feet of Jesus, which is a testimony of your life. What God has blessed you with, you have taken and used it to glorify Him in your life and encourage others. And what you're going to do with that crown is, oh, you're going to say, Lord, thank you for the privilege of knowing you as Savior and being able to serve you in some way in my life. And I lay this crown at your feet as a gift of my life. It may be embarrassing for some of us to go to heaven and not have earned any crown to lay at his feet, but it's not too late. You can earn the crowns. That's what Jesus says, and he compliments them by saying, I know what you're going through, but you're going to survive. Then he gives some commands, verse 10. By the way, this is one of the only churches of the seven that did not have a criticism. What a wonderful message that is, that God understands who we are. And and he looks intently at the church, and he doesn't have anything to say negative about them. They are going through some stuff. But what he says is, as a command, I want you to remain faithful. What he means by that, I would think he would be faithful to Jesus. Whatever comes, don't quit being faithful to the Lord. It could mean faithful to the doctrine of the gospel, it could mean being faithful to share what you know to tell somebody else about this wonderful Savior that we have in Christ. It may be faithful to witness to what God wants us to be and to do. Whatever it means, Jesus says, be faithful until the end. Don't quit. Don't give up. Whatever the circumstances of life are, even to the point of persecution and death, don't quit. And then he says, receive your reward, the crown of life. I mentioned to you this word Stephanos is simply a laurel wreath that was plaited and placed around the head of an athletic winner. But it means so much more. It means that you have won in the race of life, whatever the circumstances might have been. And there will be no fear of the second death because... Of what God has promised. Are there some consequences? Yes. Without criticism. Jesus says. You will. Suffer. Ten days. I'm of the opinion. That there were ten. Periods. Of persecution for the church. Ten. Roman emperors that led in trying to annihilate the Christian faith. began with Nero, remember? When he had Rome basically burned down and people were upset because of all of the things that had been lost in that great fire about 63 A.D.? He blamed the Christians and began a persecution that we would have difficulty believing. But not only he, Diocletian, and others who were emperors of Rome Led in trying to do everything they could to stamp out this this group called Christians, they did horrible things. You cannot imagine what it must have been like to be a Christian in that day to be arrested. Some were put in arenas where wild animals were turned loose and tore them to shreds. Some were gladiators that were forced to fight till one of those was killed. Sometimes they would roll a person's body in pitch while they were still alive or some kind of asphalt-like material and they would light them and use them like streetlights. Can you imagine what it was like to have put on wool or, or, or animal skins and be turned loose with a pack of wild dogs and, and to be torn apart? That's the kind of persecution that Jesus says is going to happen. You will suffer Ten days, I am sure that these Christians in the little beautiful city of Smyrna knew exactly what the messenger and the message meant. But that wasn't the only consequence. You will suffer ten days, but you will survive. Regardless of what Satan may throw at you, You are on the winning team. You will survive. You may not survive physically. You may be impoverished because you cannot get work. You may be put to death. But even death does not defeat the Christian because we have the promise of eternal life. Some of you may be going through difficulties now. You wonder, can you make it? Sometimes it's because you are a Christian that you go through difficulties. Don't quit. Don't give up. There is a better day coming. Put on your thinking camp with me. Go back with me many, many years. In fact, the day is February the 23rd, the year 155 A.D. The city of Smyrna is alive with excitement because the games are about to start. The athletic contest that they were famous for, as famous as the Olympics were in that day, and they were to be held in Smyrna. Before the games begin, someone hollers out Way with the atheist. Bring Polycarp. Make him confess his loyalty to Caesar. Polycarp? Who is he? 86 year old pastor of the church in Smyrna. Soldiers rush out and find him and drag him before the proconsul there. Denounce your faith. Pledge allegiance to Caesar or you'll die. It wasn't really a test of orthodoxy or faith. It was simply a pledge of loyalty to the emperor. What was involved was very simple. You'd take a pinch of incense and put it in a flame, and you would say just two words in English: three, Caesar is Lord. Caesaros. Kurios. it didn't mean that you worship the emperor it simply meant that you were pledging loyalty to him but listen to the words caesar is lord not for the christian christ is lord and rather than saying caesaros curios the christian would say christos curios christ is lord They begged the old man, 86 years old, please just say it. I have been serving the Lord these 86 years. He has never, ever forsaken me. How can I forsake him? They brought the wood, put it around his feet, Denounce your faith. Pledge your loyalty to the Caesar. Or we'll burn you at the stake. He could not. They lit the flames. The old 86-year-old pastor died giving testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. Who loved him and saved him. I don't know if you will ever have to do something like that. It's possible. Bibles are being confiscated. You live in a community now where it's difficult even for, for the Gideons to place Bibles in the hands of children in school. How many times have you been to a football game in the last few years where somebody led in prayer? Can you pray in public in school? Can you take a Bible and put it on your desk if you're a teacher? Our world is rapidly coming to the place where we're going to experience, I'm afraid in America, what Christians around the world have been experiencing in the last generation. If you stood before someone who said, if you don't deny your faith, we're going to kill you, what would you do? We're going to kill your wife, your children. Would you remain faithful? Will you stand for Christ in the hour of persecution? The church at Sperna did and the Lord blessed them and said, you're going to eat, you're going to enter, you're going to enjoy heaven forever because of your faithfulness and my provision. What an awesome God we have. Bow with me as we pray. Maybe you're here today and you're going through some of that persecution. Maybe you're having a difficult time it may very well be that this message was not only for the church at Smyrna, it's also for you. Could I encourage you to be faithful? Don't give up. Keep on keeping on. And if by any chance you've never trusted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, would this be a good time to do that? Or maybe you've not been faithful in the past and It's time to really get serious about your relationship with God and his church. Maybe today is that day when you speak a word of commitment to the Lord. If I or we can help you, we'll be here to greet you as you make your decision for Christ. Father, I thank you so much for the faithful Christians in Smyrna. What a word of encouragement they bring to us. Oh, help us never, never to back down from an opportunity of sharing the goodness of God and his grace in our life. May we be as faithful as old Polycarp was when threatened with and actually burned at the stake could not and would not deny his faith in you. May we at work, at home, at play, wherever we are, Stand up for Jesus, I pray in his name. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.